Speaking of challenges, producer Steve said, what were our highlights in terms of our interviews for 2022? Well, as usual, you and I couldn't agree because there was, you know, a lot to... We forgot a lot of them, so we handballed it back to producer Steve. Poor old Steve. To do He's got enough on his plate. 2022 <laughs> year in review. On the back of footy returning last night, we thought we'd go to a legend of the game to kick off footy season, and Larry Coral was on the line. Larry, good morning. Good morning, guys. When you look back at history, you've touched on it a moment ago, but the Indigenous players have played such a significant and wonderful contribution to rugby league over so many years. You know, and I go back when I was a kid watching uh, my two heroes was Arthur Beetson and uh, Eric Sims, you know, playing. So, you know, as young blokes, you know, you aspire to try to achieve what your heroes uh, have been done before you. And um, playing in, in Sydney is the ultimate. And, um, you know, everyone tries to achieve that. And especially a young Aboriginal boy, you know, who's got a football in his hand. And, and, you, and you see Arthur Beats, one of the, the best players in the world. And Eric Sims, uh, you know, it just gravitates you to the, try and achieve and strive for success. The very sad news of the passing of Olsen Philippine. You'd be remiss of me not to ask of your memories of Olsen and what sort of legacy he left from your days at Balmain. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was a sad day when I got the news about Olsen. Mate, I, I still remember his first day coming to Leichhardt and in the dressing rooms. Uh, uh, he come and saddled up right next to me um, and uh, getting changed for training and uh, we used to sit together and uh, get changed every training session and every game, home game. So a great person. Um, not just his football abilities was, you know, um, a quality person off the field, mate. You know, um, respectful to everyone. Just a tremendous human being. When he come across back in, uh, I think it was 1980, and to play straight into get into first grade and start performing was and um, I got to see the damage he used to do running over players and uh, it was just it was just enormous player. We're just hearing the very sad news that the former Australian leg spinner Shane Warne has died suddenly. A legendary cricketer. He was only 52 years old. Mark War is on the line. Sorry had to ring you under these circumstances but very very sad period of time for Australian cricket. Rod Marsh's passing on Friday, you had a lot to do with him, particularly as a selector. And then Shane Warne on Saturday to lose a teammate. I know he's a close friend of yours. Mark, how do you come to terms with it? Yeah, it's just been a terrible couple of days, hasn't it? I think everybody's sort of in shock. I guess with, with Rod Marsh, firstly, you know, Bacchus was a, you know, was a, a great um, character and a a legend of Australian cricket, and yeah, I had a bit to do as well as a selector. Uh, three or four years, I was on the selection panel as well. So he was a good friend of mine. And then, you know, 24 hours later, you know, Warney passing away. It's just hard to believe. And then I was only with him a couple of weeks ago in, in, in Melbourne, actually doing the, the last uh, couple of uh, T20 games between Australia and Sri Lanka. And he mentioned that he was going to. Uh, to Thailand and then over to England to commentate and you know now it's gone so yeah I mean it's, it's everyone's in a bit of shock really but I guess it's going to sink in sink in now but um, yeah it's just uh, yeah, hard to close to be honest Mark clearly I never faced Shane you obviously did for, for many years you know they say that you know the fizz out of his hand you could hear the ball rotating quicker than normal what made him so difficult to play as a batsman 
Well, I mean, I mean, he had the skill, obviously, but you know, he could he could rip the ball and and be accurate at the same time, which leg spin's the hardest art to, to master. You know, it's it's not easy to do. You, you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. It's warning. I, I can hardly remember him ever bowling a bad spell. I really can't. You know, in his whole career, you know, he was so accurate. Plus, the spin the ball big. So that combination, and he was a competitor too. You know, he, he you know he, he was in for the fight no matter what the conditions. Um, and he also then he started to develop those variations. You know, the flipper or the zooter, as they call it, there for two or three years. No batsman could pick it. It was unbelievable. The way he used to knock over great players like Richie Richardson and, and the South Africans, you know, they just they just could not play it. And even the bombs, you know, Alex Stewart was a tremendous player. He couldn't pick the flipper side. You know, he had accuracy, he had the skill, and he had the temperament. Um, you know, he was such a competitor. So you combine all that, you know, you've got a pretty special talent. Magnificent piece of bowling from Wall. Melbourne have won it. 26 to 20, the final score. They win their fourth premiership. Privilege to have him on the show on a Sunday morning. Craig Bellamy, good morning. Morning, Ray. How you doing? Hey, Craig, congrats on the 500 first up. Uh, were you self-indulgent enough to get home that night and just, I don't know, have a beer and sit back and think, wow, 500 games, that's a fair effort? Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, not really, Bulldog. I, um, yeah, we we all went out and had, had some deep and um, had all my family there, so so that was good. And uh, yeah, I only had about three or four beers actually, which is uh, I thought I might have had a few more, but actually, but it was uh, it was a pretty hectic week, so um, I was probably glad to get home and get a little bit of sleep. Going back to that very first game, and it was well documented, and it <laughs> didn't exactly get off to the start you wanted, did it? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I like that. I can't remember some games, you know, like obviously the 500, you know, some people will bring some things up about this or that or or whatever, but, you know, I, I can always remember that first game where I think it was down 22 nil after mm. 20 minutes. So I, I remember thinking there, I, I was around that time, you know, that, that time of the game that, you know, John Rubo will probably be in the in the dressing room at half time with a one-way ticket back to Brisbane. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> It was uh, it, it was nice to play with, with me, John. So uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it was, it always up, ended up good. Hey, Billy, I've got to ask you: when you blow up and the cameras are on you, you get up, you slam your fist down, and you bolt somewhere at the back. Where do you go? And then you just spit on your heels and come back in again. Yeah, I, I just sort of I know it's my little way of sort of not yeah, I'm saying kids composed again, or you know, I don't yeah. Get a bit embarrassed, you know, when I was seeing seeing as well up every now and then on the TV cameras. So um, yeah, but I just, my little way of resetting, I suppose. Um, I resetted a fair, fair bit on Thursday night, but um, oh mate, you might not think so, Craig. But it's great television. It just shows you. How, <laughs> oh, but it just shows you how passionate you are and well, uh, how much you love yeah. winning. And it's it's compulsive. That's why I think all the TV stations just have a camera set on your coaching boss because they, they just know that fans actually love it. And Redmayne makes the save. It's a save that means the World Cup for Australia. Joy unbridled for Graham Arnold.
Arnold. And it's our absolute pleasure to welcome Graham Arnold to the Big Sports Breakfast weekend. And congratulations. Morning. Uh, good morning, guys. I've only been home for two nights and I find myself sitting there on YouTube watching the penalty shootout back because I sat on the bench and I thought, I can't watch this. And the boys were just so determined to do this for the nation. I couldn't have been prouder of them. It was just a gamble that I took. I had half of the staff looking at me like I was mad and the other half who already knew about it that we put Redders on just solely for that, but also to get into the Peruvian's mind. But they wouldn't have known too much or anything about Andrew Redmayne. You could see Andrew's antics really affected the Peruvians. The two players that were looking at Redders, watching him, the two that missed it. Just run us through your, your family, Arnie, and how you seem to turn to them and, and, and look to them when life's challenges arise. Yeah, look, I, I haven't read it, to be honest. My brother sent, uh, sent me a text and said it was a brilliant article, and thank you. Uh, well, most uh, of mine are, Ronnie, you know that. that. And, uh, no, look, um, you know, I, I, I grew up the hard way. You know, people think that maybe I didn't, but I uh, grew up the hard way, and my mum was ill from the age of 16, and she had breast cancer, and that, that went pretty much before anyone had ever heard of it. And uh, went through to her spine and everything, but she fought for four years to stay alive, and... And, you know, she was in Calvary for a year. And uh, and she was uh, such a wonderful lady. And when when she was ill, I, I went off the rails quite a bit and uh, wasn't interested in playing sport much at all. I was playing cricket as well as, as football. And, you know, I, 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 I lost a taste for it and pretty much until, you know, a couple of days before she died. And uh, she said uh, she said to me, grab me by the hand, and she could barely, barely open her eyes anymore. And she said... Graham, you have uh, a special talent. Don't waste it. Don't be a bum like some of your mates. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it really resonated with me. And from there, I went home and I stopped partying, stopped, stopped going out. I actually gave away being an apprentice builder. Um, and, I, and I just drove myself every day to train hard, work hard. And, and then I was fortunate enough. I went to Sydney Croatia and they were fantastic people and and great for me and uh, two years later I debuted for the Socceroos and you know, my father's side of it he was hard as hard as nails always you know very firm on me um, he was my coach till the, the age of 16 till my mum got ill and he stopped coaching he didn't want to know about it anymore and uh, and it hit him hard as well but uh, you know I remember days where you know I was, if I was seven or eight years of age nine years of age and if I didn't play well he made me walk home <laughs> You'd get in the car. Tough school, Hans. Uh, a tough school. Yeah, well, he was tough, very tough. And he was very soft on my brother. And, uh, and my brother was, um, he's just been an outstanding support team for all these years that I've been a, you know, an elite footballer or when I was playing or, or even when I went into coaching. And, you know, with uh, whenever I needed someone to speak to, I could always pick up the phone to him or... He was the first one to check in on me to see if I was okay after bad results or something. And, uh, you know, he's always been in the background. He's, uh, he's a fantastic person and uh, he's been special in my life. Paul Sirenen. Paul's on the line from Perth. Paul, good morning. Yeah, good morning, boys. How are you? Terrific. And thanks for joining us. I know it's bright and early over there, Paul. I don't know how he managed to get Dino out of bed at 5 o'clock for our 7 o'clock start, but he, he turned hey, up there, it. Paul. He turned up. Mate, I got him by an hour. I'm going to make it about like four o'clock. That's going to leave. So my, my body clock's still on uh, Sydney time, mate. Yeah. mate. But uh, no. doggy, good work. 80 games and not one bruise. You're lucky. <laughs> not one bruise, exactly. <laughs> so, Ray, I'm in Scarborough, right? And mm-hmm. I, I go out and I've got a beautiful view of the 
water. I'm thinking, this is the life, you know. And I look down, there's the swimming pool. And there's someone bending over in sluggos. I thought, oh, and it was like an eclipse. What? Zero looks up at me. And I looked at him and I thought, I've got to get back inside. <laughs> I was what frightened. The were they, doggy? They had the big Balmain tiger. Like <laughs> they did too. They did too. God love you. Ash Barty is the Australian Open champion. Roger Rashid, Ash Barty has literally carried the weight and expectations of a nation. To go through not losing a set, what was most impressive was being down 5-1, navigating through that. That's someone with really special poise. She's comfortable if she doesn't win, as long as the effort's been there, and that's very rare quality, I think. He is an absolute champion. A legend, Bradley Clyde. Good morning, Ray Dean. Why is Origin so special to so many players, Brad? I think it's the contest. It's such a special game. I know you're a very humble bloke I've known you many many years but it is lovely to know that you are so highly thought about there in the rugby league community yeah it is really nice I loved every moment of it if my capability meant that I was just going to play park football well I would have done that until I was you know mid-30s as well I just loved the game I think that love of the game is critical if you want to play first grade Thanks for the chat, guys. Always good to jump on the show. It's a real honour to welcome Steve Edge on the show on a Sunday morning. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Ray. I, uh, I just thought I'd let you know, I was playing Monopoly with uh, with Dino one day and I was miles in front and he picked up the board and threw it, on, <laughs> threw it in the corner. Oh, glad to hear I've never, seen, I've never seen anything like it. He's been carrying on since the, the quiz last Sunday all week. He even got his mate, the legal eagle, to ring up and highly embarrassing, but anyway... Mate, thanks so much for coming on the show. And I guess it's tough for you in a day like today when the two clubs that you captain to Premiership success clash. Steve, do your allegiances lie with either club or do you sit back Ray, and just enjoy the game? How, how do you go about Ray, it? It's like this, mate. Yeah. And, and no, it's, it's not an issue whatsoever. I mean, I'm a, I'm a winner on the day. There's no way in the world that, that I'm not. I, uh, I owe an enormous amount to both of those wonderful, wonderful clubs. Um, you know, what they've done for my life is just, uh, is just absolutely outstanding and uh, I do whatever I can to, to help them, uh, you know, in, in whatever way they, they do. So uh, at, the, at the end of the day, because of the, uh, the, the intense rivalry between the two yeah. clubs, um, and yet they, they still get on. But, it, but certainly it, once it's on the field, even though we're... What, must be must be ten years later, is it? No, it must be a bit more than that since we played against each other. But uh, that uh, that rivalry is still there, and uh, you know it doesn't matter whether where they are on the on the ladder. You know it's always going to be a big game. Andrew Eddiehausen's on the line. Andrew, good morning. G'day, guys. Can you remember Gus's demeanour in the week leading up to that Lang Park decider? And indeed, do you remember his final words, Andrew, before you ran out? for that Game 3? Yeah, well, I guess everything um, around State of Origin is, is, is about emotion and um, it's trying to rise, you know, raise these players up above the norm and, and be able to pull out performances that are that are sort of unbelievable at times. And, um, you know, he was the best in the business at that, Phil Gould. He was able to sit the boys down and uh, you know, get everybody focused. I think that uh, that game in particular, there was a lot of talk about family and how much it meant for the family. You know, your family was there, you know, taking you to all the games as a young kid, and and uh, you know how all your you know your brothers and sisters were virtually pushed aside for you to go through and uh, and and make it. So, 
Um, you know, there's a, there was a lot of that family emotion build up before the game, and and obviously, um, you know, we thought we had a very strong team and shouldn't have lost that first game. So we were out to out for redemption ourselves. He was a multi-talented sportsman. Went on to an extraordinary career after he finished sport, and it's a great honour to have Mike Cleary on the show this morning. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Mike. And when I was talking to Dino that I was going to ask you to come on, I was looking back through your career, and do you sometimes look back and realise what you achieved on the sporting field, Mike? No, I don't really. I just, every time a door's open, I just took it. I uh, I think I'm 82 now. I was born on the 30th of April 1940, and I, I went to Waverley College, and I was I had two conditions that weren't even defined. Well, they used to call me a hypoactive slow learner. It turned out to be ADD and dyslexic. Okay. So I, I just took my steps with it that I could, and I, I was always running, always. As a young fellow, no one could catch me. The milkman couldn't catch me. Mum and Dad couldn't catch me. There's one time their mum hit me with a pill because I had rotten tooth and I wouldn't go to the dentist. Every time I went to the dentist, I'd run away. Nine grand finals in 11 seasons. Just extraordinary from 65 to 75. Ron Coots on the line. Ron, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are you? Terrific. Th- thanks for joining us. We're countdown now to next Sunday's big one between Penrith and Parramatta. Grand final week's always special. You got to experience it nine times. What's it like as a player, Ron? And can you remember that first year in 65 as a very young man when you got to experience grand final week and indeed the grand final? It was a bit scary, actually, to think that you were playing in the grand final in 65. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a, a huge crowd. And the most important thing is don't over, overthink it. And you've got to think, well, it's... it's um, it's it's a it's gonna just it's another game and you've got to just go go through it and, and go and do what you do what you got to do just play the same game as what you've been playing all year which has got you through to the green final. The Panthers get smelled by it again here. Next guest, think about the Penrith Panthers. King Wally Lewis is on the line. Wally, good morning. Oh, good morning. Yeah, gee, what a grand final it was. That's as powerful a performance as I've seen for quite some time. Do they deserve to stand among the great sides of the modern era? You've got to appreciate them as they come along. They were against plenty of very strong rugby league NRL teams that gave it their best shot. Certainly an extraordinary performance from them and one of the ones that will be there when the comparisons start. Mitchell with it. It started with a Mitchell try. It'll finish with a Mitchell try. Mission accomplished. Beating Samoa by 30 points to 10. The Kangaroos assistant coach, Michael Hagan, joins us live from Old Trafford. The fact that we got to play here tonight, you know, 69,000 fans, most of whom were barracking for Samoa, that's okay. Hagan's just take us inside the dressing room right now, the celebrations. And just being in this environment, something we're not going to probably ever get to do again. Now is a very big dog on celebrating a victory. So it would be irresponsible if we didn't have a few beers in the shed after the game. <laughs> Sing the team song with gusto. It's been a lot of fun to be involved in. How can there be a Miss Universe when only Earth is represented? Why do they say you've got a cold 
when your temperature goes up. <laughs> Why does quicksand work so slowly? Do Lipton employees take coffee breaks? If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving is not for you. <laughs> That's the way. Jared, I said, look, how old is he in race that I don't know? I said, well, he looks like he's run all the way. You can't say things like that, Danny. <laughs> did you hear yeah. him? Did you hear him, Jared? No, I heard him. I heard him. <laughs> look, I did throw I, I a figure out there, Jared, to be honest. Yes. The, the best way to sum it up, Dino, would be I've got the mind of a 25-year-old <laughs> and the physique and body of a 125-year-old. <laughs> you and I aren't always going to agree. We've argued for 30-odd years. We'll continue to do so. I hope so. I do, Because if I think like you, I'm worried. Well, don't think like me, mate. You're in awful trouble. Crash products on the line. Crash, good morning. Because someone spoke to you last night and said, did you ever meet Don Brab? And I said, I only spoke to him once. And I got his number off the former test opener, Bill Brown, who said, just be careful with Don because he'll pick you up if you're, if you're anywhere you know, wide of centre. He'll, he'll jump on you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you'll find out. So, so after Mark Taylor scored 334 in Pakistan and declared on an equal total with Sir Donald's best total mm. for Australia, I had to ring him. I said, um, hi, Sir Donald, it's Robert Craddock here. I'm sorry for disturbing you. And he goes, no, 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 you're not sorry. You wouldn't run me in the first place if you were sorry. And so <laughs> Very I, good and, point, yeah. And he said, I said, just one question, Sir Donald, that's all. And I said, just about Mark Taylor. He said, I'm very, very pre-Steph that he declared on my total. And I said, oh, it sounds as if you rate him. He said, uh, 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 you said one question. <laughs> <laughs> so he's too good for me, Rain Dino, the old Don, you know. Even at age, what was it, 80-something, he was far too good.